0: Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Cosmic Circle, the official podcast of the Cosmic Circus. Today we will be discussing all things Ahsoka. We've made it through eight episodes. We, you know, of multiple weeks of waiting until the conclusion, and it's finally here, and we cannot wait to talk about it. My name is Brian Kitson, head writer at the Cosmic Circus, and joining me today is Emily Mack and Drew Reed. How are the two of us doing today?
1: Yes
2: doing pretty good what's up guys I'm Drew
0: always a pleasure to have the two of you on here we had both of you on here for the last one I knew right off the bat that we had to have the two of you back for this last part because you're our resident Star Wars nerds yeah,
1: who else better pretty, to have dedicated Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I think you pretty much the two of you and and Vic um, who couldn't be here today um help up the corner of Star Wars theories and articles specifically for ahsoka and i think it's going to continue on um but this was kind of like your bread and butter and it's understandable because i'm sure there's a lot of um emotion to go with ahsoka and you know for emily i'd like to actually start with you because i know that ahsoka has been like one of your characters like since i've known you like you you did the guide and like you you have all these thoughts and feelings and you know this had to be a big moment for you to, for her to finally get her own series besides the Clone Wars. What was this like for you?
1: It was, it was like really emotional because I think I thought more of like how it was behind the scenes, like after those first two episodes. Because to think of like Dave Filoni, he wrote and directed a majority, he wrote the whole series and then he directed a majority of it too. And it's like how you can even like think, like he has this. Animated character like in front of him for years and years and years. And now he's like in front of her. She's wielding these lightsabers for real in front of him. Like that has to be like such a surreal feeling. So whenever like I was watching it, I just like had to like think of like how Dave Filoni like would feel like on like set. And then I just like get so happy because like this character has come like to life, like to live action and she's real and she feels so real and this series was so like emotionally driven and it we saw like the conclusion of anakin training ahsoka and it was just and she's taking on her padawan and Mm -hmm. sticking by her padawan and guiding her and it's it was an emotional series
0: i totally understand that um and and it was i did not watch clone wars or um I watched Rebels as it aired, but I didn't watch Clone Wars until I was an adult. Um, and there's quite the journey. I can only imagine for someone who kind of grew up watching this, or you know, step by step as it came out, that this was just like a huge moment, especially for behind those scenes. Uh, Drew, correct me if I'm wrong. You actually watched Rebels like recently to like prepare for this series, correct?
2: Yeah, so I watched it over, like through COVID pretty much. I, okay. It took me a long time to watch Clone Wars. I watched Clone Wars like, since like the beginning of like COVID, like when we were like locked down and stuff. And that took me about like a good like nine months to watch. I kind of watched it on and off. Like mm-hmm. um yeah, it took me a while. Um I got really hooked by the end of Clone Wars. And then I watched Rebels probably in like the span of like a like two months. So the Rebels mm-hmm. took me like was pretty quick because it just felt easier to watch. I guess sometimes Clone Wars just feels long, some of the arcs. But yeah, so mm-hmm. pretty pretty recently, I'd say about three three years ago, um Rebels maybe like two and a half years ago, but I very quickly became like, you know, like super invested, like learning everything. So it's like, you know, I I didn't watch like Rebels like when I was out. um, But I very quickly became invested and I know everything like the back of my hand now.
0: (laughs) So then how was that experience for you watching Ahsoka having, you know, maybe only watched it in the more recent years since COVID?
2: Well, like, I think i very quickly became invested in the characters so it feels like um, like even though i only watched a couple years ago it feels like i have known these characters for a long time Uh, it's that's partly because um even though i didn't watch clone wars or rebels i had seen plenty of like moments on twitter and stuff like that like i had seen people like referencing it i knew who ahsoka was like ever since i was a kid like i definitely watched clone wars a little bit when i was a kid like on cartoon network but i never like uh, watched it seriously and followed the plot. I feel like, like you know, most kids like when you're like 10, you're not really like watching Clone Wars being dedicated to like the writing and the plot line. So I kind of knew who everybody was and like I knew like asaj Ventress and, and um, like Ahsoka, and, like all the new like, Clone Wars characters, I knew who they were. Um, but it wasn't until recently that I got like really invested and um, I very quickly became like obsessed or, you know, just really invested in the characters and began to learn everything learn all the planets and the characters and and everything so um watching it recently it it doesn't really make much of a difference for me it feels like Mm
0: -hmm. I've watched it for like a decade you know sure you know what's interesting for me about Ahsoka's journey and you know we're gonna kind of go into her character and her character arcs and as well as the other heroes but when we first meet her I think that I, I I agree with you Drew I parts of clone war were actually really difficult for me to watch because they felt very bogged down with a lot of the, uh, um, the politics at the beginning, specifically like season one. Um, but Ahsoka was like the shining light of like, I kept watching for her because she was funny and she was sarcastic and she didn't always follow the rules. And I think it, for younger kids or, you know, those young adults watching that and seeing her continue to be, um, rebellious in the middle of you know such an organization like the the jedi was very exciting and they could relate to that but now yeah, think, when we go ahead
2: yeah i was gonna say i think that's why ahsoka is so like is so well received is because she's such a well-rounded character um i would say that like not every star wars character is super well-rounded Um i would say that in in more recent like years, there's been a lot more development on characters, like, especially with Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff, you've gotten to actually mm-hmm. develop characters. But for a while, the most we ever saw from characters was just movies where we only got to spend like two hours with a character. So it was hard mm-hmm. to kind of have a character that's super well-rounded, super developed and fleshed out through seasons of shows. Um, and the first time we kind of got that with Star Wars, was Clone Wars, where it was really dedicated to Ahsoka, and we really got to flesh out that character, get like, you know, her light side and and her her more emotional sides, and we've seen all those kind of stories all kind of come together, and it's really kind of morphed her into like a really well rounded character. We've seen her throughout like thirty years, you know, from like Clone Wars to Rebels to Ahsoka, where mm-hmm. she's really had a complete arc um and Mm -hmm. she's not the same character that was something that was hard for me to to kind of like grasp in Ahsoka's she she's not the same character that she was in like Clone Wars even Rebels like she's had a very developed like arc and I think that's why she's so well received and people really like her because they've kind of like lived vicariously through her you know like we've really seen her whole kind of like journey in a way so Mm -hmm. I think that's why now she's kind of become like this really well-received character throughout like the you know throughout the community.
0: You know, I'm really excited that you brought that up because that was going to be the next part I was going to talk about was that I think that while people grew up with her, Ahsoka has grown up too. And like what we saw in Ahsoka, the series was a much more mature um, individual who has been through a lot of traumatic things and that we don't, um, maybe for some it was hard to kind of rectify that, and to to experience that, uh, to to see her not be that child or that carefree side. Um, and some people kind of label that as inconsistent, you know, that she was an inconsistent character. But truly, by the time you get to the end of Ahsoka, you see that it is consistency, but there's just a lot of things that have kind of dictated that. But but for you, Emily, what are your thoughts on Ahsoka's journey or like the consistency of her character from Clone Wars to uh, Ahsoka the series?
1: I've seen where people say like it's inconsistent, but it's like she grew up. She's a full, like, adult now. She's, like, what, in her 30s or 40s? So, obviously, Mm -hmm. she's going to be very different from that 14-year-old child who was just forced into war and thought, like, she could do, like, she could take charge and she could do these things, but then she had to slow down and learn. So, this was her, like, as she got older, she slowed down more and she took in everything and she learned, like, Anakin had taught her to do. Mm -hmm. So, this is what we... So, I think in Ahsoka we really see her like learning her like taking in her surroundings more and that was like something we got to see her do with like her force powers where she could like feel what had happened like in a moment instead of just like looking at something and being like this is what happened and now I'm gonna go do this she took in everything and she took everything into account like with Sabine she was like everything something changed here like when she came back from like the world between worlds and she was more Like I don't know how to describe it I feel like I'm like lacking the word here But not like Like enlightened Yeah enlightened She became more enlightened I guess in a way
2: Yeah I would say like the You know I I took a while to think about Like the lesson in the world between worlds With Anakin and like because a lot of people were like Oh it wasn't really a lesson Like he just kind of was like live or die Which like is really simple but like I've kind of found Like in all the Star Wars like movies that The lessons are very like simple or they're kind of like what's the word like I'm not sure what I'm trying I'm not sure what the word is but like you know like it seems
1: simple but it's got like that deep like yeah it's simple it's a teaching moment and it's a deep thing because he was like you're either gonna turn out like me but I know you're not so you're stronger so what are you gonna do here because you gotta live and there are so many reasons to live where Anakin didn't like he's teaching her to like He had a reason to live, but Palpatine had like screwed it so much, where Mm -hmm. he like was like, "It's either this or this." But he's Mm -hmm. like showing her that there, he showed her that there was so much more to it than just like the simple, like the two choices that he was given.
2: Yeah, kind of like interpreted. Like when he says like live, he doesn't mean it like super. Like he doesn't just mean live. He means like you know, like she was kind of just existing for a while. It kind of feels like, and I think his lesson was like you know you can be more than that you can actually live and not have to you know not just exist you're you know she's meant to live you know or, or if she's not going to do that then she should just die that's kind of that's like his, that was like the lesson essentially and i think that was i kind of like that i think it was like it's not what the audience was expecting but it's what that it's what she needed in the moment and i think that's kind of what i was trying to iterate like earlier was mm-hmm. um it's not what you ex- it's a very unexpected lesson but it's something that is very relevant to the moment in a way that we don't expect in a way that we don't expect.
0: You know, the one of the parallels that I saw that I thought was really interesting is it reminded me a lot of Luke Skywalker's story in The Last Jedi having gone through like, you know, you've you've changed and like what do you do with that change? Like, how do you how do you be? And I I like the way that we received the stories with the last Jedi first we saw you know we saw it first and then we had this one because i think when you watch them chronologically you get the hopeful story first and then you get the story of like you once you're enlightened once you you realize your point you kind of move on and you like die where this one she did she started to thrive again this wasn't just existing ahsoka found her purpose again um and her purpose is now to spoiler alert everybody we're gonna be talking about spoilers to stop thrawn yeah. and yeah. save the world once again.
2: You know, it's like I'm kind of wondering if that's gonna be here. like I think I think she's almost meant for more than that now in a way. Like, and we'll kind of yeah. get into that. We're gonna we're gonna get into the mortis kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that was a big topic. But I kind of feel like she was meant for like more than that now. It seems like her and Balin are kind of like on like a they're heading towards something, you know, yeah, that's um, sure. and that's why they left her in this new galaxy, sort of. But when we talk about The Last Jedi, I th- <laughs> so I really don't like The Last Jedi. And I, I mean, I know that's a really, really big kind of topic. But my one of my favorite moments from the sequel trilogy was the when Yoda shows up for Luke on um, mm-hmm. on the island and his lesson there. I felt like that was very like, I don't know that that was just that just worked perfectly. It was, you know, uh, I think it was. Uh, failure the greatest teacher is or something uh, something along the line something along the lines of that and I think that was like such like an example of like the kind of perfect um, lesson that like a master can give a padawan or an, or an apprentice mm-hmm. and um, I kind of feel like that was what kind of gave me that like how that helped me kind of realize what Anakin's lesson was where it was kind of like an unexpected but uh, relevant lesson in a way sort of
1: Mm -hmm. there was also something yoda said in that scene that's relevant so i'm happy that you brought that up because he told luke something like they they grow beyond us basically so in that moment like two in the world between worlds it was anakin like i mean it was ahsoka growing beyond like what anakin was Mm -hmm. and living in that moment
0: oh that makes absolute sense and you know while we'll break down into it um I mean, I guess let's just touch on it now. I don't know how you guys felt, but that episode where she goes into the world between worlds and she has that talk with Anakin is probably one of the strongest hours of Star Wars for me because there was oh, just yeah. so much impact and growth in getting to see this this you know character, this Anakin Skywalker that we've seen become Darth Vader and die and his legacy that, of the people that he's touched and the world that he's ruined. Um, you got to see that there was life beyond everything that he did Mm -hmm. on this world. And um, I thought it was brilliant. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: um, So like,
2: (laughs) it's almost like Dave Filoni knew that he only had an hour to accomplish that with Anakin. Whereas like a lesson like that would usually take like an entire season of Clone Wars. So it felt like Mm -hmm. he understood that like he had, he had such a short time where he really had to get to the point. And I liked that. And I thought that really kind of like served the episode well, that there wasn't really, he didn't really kind of, um, there wasn't any kind of filler in that like everything was kind of mm-hmm. um you know he it was lesson and flashbacks and it got to the point and i think the lightsaber battles obviously was just like kind of fan service but like i don't even care like that mm-hmm. i just like to see hayden christensen with a lightsaber but um yeah i think like you, you know what you said with this that was definitely i think four five and six were the strongest episodes um mm-hmm. they just were super cohesive and um i mean how can you not like be, love when you see Hayden Christensen with a lightsaber in his Jedi robes? I it's mean, the
1: best. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um What was that one of your favorite episodes, Emily, or do you feel like that was not up there out of the eight?
1: Oh, I I loved the World Between Worlds episode because I thought the concept was so interesting when it was introduced in Rebels and the Mortis Gods. It was like one of my favorite arcs like in clone wars mm-hmm. so to have like both of those things kind of like show up and go hand in hand um just again and to explore it more and see what the world between worlds is like can really be used for is incredible it's such great storytelling
0: absolutely i totally agree um so continuing with the heroes i know we got slightly off track but um so to continue with the heroes while the series was you know titled ahsoka there are there's someone else that is just as important to the storyline um and that's sabine i mean this series was really rebels part two which if anyone had any um any concern that it wasn't going to be i hope that now they're that squash because this is really the story of ahsoka and sabine and their relationship while they're trying to find someone who's just as important to the team that has been left uh, but we also have Hera, who's important, you know, more of a side character. But how do we feel about the heroes that were in this series? Um, and who do we think that maybe uh, should have been here or should not have been here? Um, but your, what are your thoughts on the heroes from Ahsoka? I
2: think they didn't have enough budget to do Zeb, which sucks. But They
1: didn't.
0: <laughs> they
2: did not Zeb. have enough budget to do Zeb, unfortunately. It's
1: they did huge... us that favor by throwing him in the Mandalorian, the last yeah, in the Mandalorian for about five seconds, and that's all they had. <laughs>
2: kind of had a feeling i was like you know i don't think he's gonna show up because he was
1: no
2: and especially when he didn't show up with like um carson teva like when they were going to Sitos to like help um when like it was like uh hera had like carson teva squad to go to um C-Toss to like help ahsoka and he wasn't there i was like yeah he's not in the show like he's not showing mm-hmm. up at all um but yeah it I mean, feels like so- a travesty it, I know. Is. it definitely is I, I i mean i just love like steve bloom's voice as zeb. like that's just so iconic but anyways um i think it really is rebel season five because if you think about it if you're going to do rebel season five this was the plot the the show ended on like ahsoka and sabine together um hara with jason you know and zeb kind of doing his own thing with callus um so mm-hmm. this really is like you know it's it's titled ahsoka which makes sense because like I think that attracts more people than it does like rebels than just For saying sure. Rebels season five, but the plot really is Rebels season five. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just was happy to see, I, I really love rebels. Um, I love Ahsoka. I love rebels and I wish Ahsoka was in more of rebels and she, I mean, she was in a lot of great episodes, but like, I'm just happy to see those characters interacting again. Um, happy to see Ezra back spoiler alert. I know we kind of covered that, but, um, Happy to see Ezra. I think they were all cast really well. Um, uh, I think Amon, I think it's Amon Isfandi. I don't know if I'm butchering that name, but I think he was great. I think he just really captures like the essence of Ezra really well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably my favorite casting of like the live action Rebels casting. Um, I really like Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Hera too. I think she kind of grew on me a little bit. At first I didn't see it just because like they look so different physically. like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of like, that kind of grew on me. And I think Natasha uh Lou does a really good job with Sabine too. I think they all kind of transitioned really well into live action.
1: Mm. I thought Iman like he killed it as Ezra, especially like in that last episode where we saw him like take the um like walkie-talkie thing like off the trooper's yeah. belt. Um and he was like, Yeah, okay. Like you could see it in his face, like exactly how it would have been in like animation that like mm-hmm i'm gonna take this trooper's armor and i'm getting on a shuttle and i'm getting the hell out of here before anyone sees me so that was just it was funny to see that because it felt like when the shuttle landed like back on like um the ship hero was on i can't remember the name of it um and he took the helmet off it just felt like back in like another rebels episode sure and she was like no I did though. feel I I know I feel so gypped it was like this was like a moment like five years like in the making oh, like right. in Dave Filoni's head and he was like oh upwards no pipe. hug though
2: <laughs> yeah I mean at least we got an Ezra and Sabine hug right yeah they'll probably cover that more in season two so that's the thing it's like I don't know if they're gonna I, I kind of feel like they could split the show into two I kind of feel like they could split off um, into like uh, and I think we can touch on that on, like eventually but mm. I feel like mm-hmm. there's enough that they've built there where they can split off I feel like there's so much to do there's so much to do in Ahsoka season 2 that I don't know if they're going to have time to cover like what Thrawn is up to and like what the Rebels are up to back in like the core worlds I feel like Ahsoka season sure. 2 should be like just covering what Balin and like what Ahsoka and Sabine are up to and I kind of feel like um we'll get more characters involved too maybe um with a different show kind of I don't know if uh, yeah I'm not gonna I'll, I'll, that's all I'll say but um um I kind of feel like there's a lot to do with um was, there's a lot to do in Peridia and I don't know if they have yeah. enough to ever everything back in like the core worlds
1: it would have to be more than just like these 30 to one hour minute eight episodes they'd have yeah. to like really like They'd have to commit to doing more. And I feel like, I don't know why, but I feel like they're so afraid to do more than eight episodes for, like, anything on Disney+, Plus when it comes to Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah. But, like, people would watch if you just stretched it out, and it's, they've had this pacing problem for forever. But I don't think Ahsoka had a pacing problem, but everything yeah. else, like, has had, like, this recurring issue where it's like, you guys, it needs to be more than eight episodes. Yeah.
0: No, I agree with that. You know, for for the heroes, I thought everyone did a great job. I will say that I really wanted the guy who played Aladdin to be um, uh, Ezra, but mm. once I met Aman, I was like, oh no, this he's killing it. That last his episode, guy. yeah, It would have been was like nobody else. I would
2: have been like, that's Aladdin, that's not Ezra. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so uh, it'd have been hard. But Like, I I like that it's a it's a fresh face, and I think he really does look like Ezra, like, mm-hmm. and almost like perfectly like transitioned. Like from live action, like especially when he shaves the beard, probably like mm-hmm. I just feel like he'll look just like him.
0: Oh yeah, sure. I will say that I wasn't as impressed with Hera because I, she felt so different to me from Rebels Hera, and I wanted more of a, like a deep dive into like where she was since losing, you know, Kanan. but I feel like that that part was missing for me to be like to really understand her journey and why. Why she was because she almost seemed more stoic than usual because sometimes Hera was very she was she was strong and she was she didn't like move with her emotions but she did get excited and sometimes as she talked or she like you know I felt like she always kind of had like a raised eyebrow with these people and it felt like that was kind of missing it felt um I wish that there was a little bit more from from Hera and I don't I think that that was just like a time crunch like there wasn't mm-hmm. enough time and they kind of sacrificed some of that
2: so i think that Hera's. i think that they actually should have stripped Hera of her like general rank and put her back into like a rebel situation i think that would have like brought the character more down to earth um and i think that would have opened the door to like continuing rebels like in like season like doing like a rebel show so like is like a general, so she kind of like has like a duty to like the Republic in a way that she didn't in Rebels. Um, and I thought that if they kind of like, I thought if they voted to strip her like general rank, that would have allowed them to do kind of like a more Rebels thing again, where like especially if Ezra's coming back, now you, you have like, you could do like Hera, Jason, Ezra, Chopper, and Zeb, and you can do like a Rebels crew again. I thought that they could have done that, but... They didn't end up doing that. And I still think that there's like a chance that they're going to end up doing like a show like that. Like, I feel like they want to make like Ezra, like uh, have his own show kind of in a way. So I could kind of see them doing like an Ezra and Thrawn kind of show where it's like continuing on what Ahsoka season was or Ahsoka season one was. But now just kind of having Ezra be like the main character and having it be a different show while they continue like the plot that they've developed with Ahsoka in season two. That's like my hope, at least. I can kind of see that being the case
0: it makes sense hmm. okay so now that we've kind of looked at the heroes let's look at the villains of the story and the first thought i'm having that i want to get your thoughts on is was there too many villains to ahsoka because there was a lot um of people that came in to kind of as like adversaries and I'm wondering if we feel like maybe some of them had to take like a back seat because of that. You know, we had Balin, we had Shin, we had Morgan. And then, of course, we have Grand Admiral Thrawn, who doesn't come in until much later. But um, what do we think about the villains? Do we feel like there was too much? To, again, is this a time crunch thing? Do we feel like there was more episodes? Emily, let's start with you.
1: I think they actually kind of... Not like an equal amount of time, but like we had like a time set for them, um, like Balin and Shin and Morgan when we were in the main galaxy. And then when we jumped to the other galaxy and Peridia, it was Mm -hmm. then like that Thrawn and the Great Mothers and had their time to shine. So it's like we had like the first few episodes and it was like we were being introduced to these guys and we were getting like reacquainted with Morgan. And now... That the main event is here, Braun, Like, I didn't think it was too much because now we were in his territory. He had spent years here, so of course, like he knew Peridia, and he was in charge, and everyone else had to take a backseat. So I think that was like the thought process of like bringing all these guys in, and I think Balin had known, like from what he said when he was like, oh. This is where we split paths to Shin. I think he had known like the whole time, like the way the Great Mothers were talking to Morgan. He was like, I felt this pull in the force and we had to come here. So now I'm going to go, but you can go join the Empire or this Rising Empire. So it was like, I do wish we got more of them in the last episode. I don't think they had like enough. So that's what makes me kind of hope for season two. Is that we see them more for sure. And like I agree, like Ezra and Thrawn should kind of have like their own thing going forward.
0: Absolutely. You know, I think you're right. I think I think it makes sense. I didn't I want to say I don't think I thought of it at the time of watching it, but it makes sense as to like there's two clear definitive sections of this story. And and one of them was Balin and Shin being the villains to get to Admiral Th- Grand Admiral Thrawn, but when we got to Thrawn, it-, it is his story. Um and I would say my only disappointment about this is that we're not gonna get more of Ray Stevenson as Balin because I know he was great. I loved him. Him and Shin, I could watch a whole show about those two characters. The stoic one, the one that reminded me more of um oh my gosh. What is his name? Ben Ben Solo. What's his um, Kylo Ren? Kylo Ren like the, how it was a little more erratic and a little more of that like emotion but even though that you're like trained in it um, a little more so than Balin I just love the two of them together um, but Drew take it away about the villains
2: yeah um, I think it was pretty well balanced in terms of the villains um, it kind of feels like Dave Filoni kind of I almost felt like at times he wrote them in there just so that we had reasons to have lightsaber duels. But -hmm. at the same time, they gave them a really satisfying story, which I do appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they had definitely, like, just as, Palin has just as satisfying of a story as any other character in the show, really. I mean, maybe besides, like, Ahsoka and Sabine, but he, he really got a lot of development, and they kind of were given, like, that kind of, like, um you know like the they're almost like they almost felt like leads at times in the show where they were like the the lead and then and then kind of thrawn took over when thrawn came in but i think it was really well balanced um i really enjoyed i think you know uh, people kind of uh were obsessed with like sabine and shin there's so many like TikToks about that and stuff and i just found that funny and um but i really i I, I think there was a really good balance early in the season that it was very heavy on like Balin, Shin, and Morgan Elizabeth and, and Maroc, who we all kind of forgot about. Cause he died. halfway through the show. I,
1: I honestly forgot Moroc was a villain until you just said something right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We kind of <laughs>
2: forgot about him, but I, I like that was just a character that was just in there for lightsaber super duels. There was literally yeah. no other reason he was there. Um, but yeah, it was well balanced. I, I do wish we got a little bit more of like Balin and Shin and Peridia um, but they had to make time for Thrawn and that's that's understandable because I mean Thrawn is ultimately the, the big bad of the show and I don't even think <clears throat> I don't even think Balin and Shin are going to be like villains long term I just think that they have an objective and they have a skewed way of viewing that objective and they kind of are willing to sacrifice some of their morals to achieve that which is not very Jedi like but I, at the same time I don't think that they're necessarily villains just yet and I don't think that they're going to be villains. And I'm I'm, you know, I don't know if they're going to continue Balin's story in season two. I don't know. You know, we don't know that yet because of Ray Stevenson. Obviously, it's very sad. But um, you know, if they so recast, I think that um, I think there's still a lot of story left. And I think that they're characters who probably can, you know, be brought back into the light a little bit.
0: I'm thinking that they almost have he almost had to recast them just for what how it ended with his character he's standing there in the shadow of the mortis god statue there's no way that he is not either becoming an embodiment of the mortis gods or that because he is the balance of ahsoka is kind of what this series was leading to like there was the brother and the sister um i feel like at this point if they just dropped him off you're missing a big part of what happened at the end of ahsoka and i think that that would leave a lot of people feeling very dissatisfied so i think recasting is probably the best way to go Yeah, Mm -hmm.
2: I can kind of see how, you know, Vic wrote a theory that they're kind of setting up a new Mortis-Scott trio with Anakin, Balin, and Ahsoka. And I can kind of see that, honestly. And, um, like, I could see that coming to fruition, um, whether they choose to, you know, like you said, recast him and continue that story, or they could, you know, they could say he went missing after that or something like that, and they're searching for him or something like that. But I think it'd probably be smarter to continue his story as long as, like, the recast is is good and it kind of carries that same kind of the characterization doesn't change at all. I think that's a huge, like he, he was a very, um, I'm just wondering who can kind of play that role. I, I know it kind of seems basic and you feel like there's probably a lot of actors that can, but I think Ray Stevenson just had like a voice.
1: Mm.
2: It's just the way he kind of like played that role is just hard to replace. And that's why people loved him in it because it's just, he kind of owned a role that could have been simple, but he made it his own kind of an, Um, it was all like
1: the way he like spoke and like carried Balin was yeah it almost felt
2: like it almost felt like he kind of believed his lines like he really bought into the character and I think that's what made it great and I think that's what makes Star Wars characters great is when their actors can really buy into the characterization
0: sure Emily what are your thoughts on you know potentially Balin's story like Do you think that there's some credence maybe to the theory that there's something going on with him and the Mortis gods and Ahsoka being this balance?
1: I think there is, um, especially like the balance thing. And like we saw like we saw him with those like statues, like in the mountains, like how like pointing. And it was very it was a parallel shot of like Anakin, because like you could see like something like blinking on the mountain in the Mm -hmm. distance. And that happened. That was literally like the same exact shot with Anakin from the Clone Wars episodes when like they first went to Mortis. So it's, there's something there. I don't want to get my hopes up and like make guesses on like what sure. I've seen. I know. Um, not to do with like the balance, but with a potential other like threat on pretty that I've like seen so many people talk about. And she's from legends is Abilith. She's mm. part of that family. And I know, like, Luke kind of, like, faced her down in Legends, and, like, the only thing that can kill her is the Dagger of Mortis, so that kind of, like, makes me hope we'll see Mortis again, and Ahsoka can go back and, like, see where it's at, so maybe, like, something with Abolith, and, like, he f- he ends up finding Abolith, and he's, like, because when he said he felt this call, like, and he felt, like, something influencing him, like, that's Aboleth's, like, whole thing, she, like, influenced, like, a bunch of, like, young Jedi knights into, like, oh. madness, so Um, i wonder if that's if they'll just end balin's story and like they'll find aboleth or if like they'll continue it and like he comes back and he's like you guys need to follow me well she's
2: like the mother of the mortis gods right like is not the whole thing she's like the.
1: i don't think aboleth is the mother i because she was like she found out who her real father was i think at some point in legends because like she like went to like the some pool of knowledge or something Mm -hmm. um it's very weird and then she turned Mm -hmm. into like this immortal monster and that's why she looks the way Mm -hmm. she looks and has like that really weird joker smile with like the jagged teeth um because when the father found out what she did he was like no 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 no. step back like
2: (laughs) i feel like i saw like that like it was like the three mortis gods like trapped her in like a somewhere i don't know yeah, they, uh, i don't know where they trapped her
1: yeah, i have no idea where they trapped her i know yeah. luke could get to her at some point but then she went back to her home world but i don't think her home world and legends was ever specified i could be wrong about that though
0: mm-hmm. that would be crazy though because i've seen pictures i don't know much of the legends stories but i've seen pictures of her and she is terrifying
1: oh she's nasty looking like yeah. i'm so scared of her <laughs>
2: I don't think she'll look like that in live action honestly i don't think they'll mm-hmm. make her that like creepy i think she'll just be like a person yeah
1: I guess. she'll have to be a little I've seen, toned down
2: i've seen mm-hmm. some people say like she could be like reanimated as morgan Elsbeth. like they could use morgan elspeth's like mm. body like i saw somebody um say that which would be like a cool way to keep diana Lee in Asanto on the show but obviously they could cast like a different person even if they get to that we don't even know if that's well part but, of right, like us, ab-
1: Part of like Abeleth's thing was she used like other bodies to like hide herself and keep herself alive. So that's a possibility is they could use Morgan if they wanted to keep her.
0: That would be very interesting because she was also very terrifying in the Yeah.
1: Show,
0: <laughs> um so for the story wise, did we like what we got in the eight episodes? Did was it anything that you were like shocked about? What what was I just like a general feel of all the story that season one presented for us? Um, We'll start with you, Drew.
2: So in terms of like, did I enjoy season one is, or like, did I I like the eight episodes? Yeah. Yeah. um, So my honest reaction was like, I loved episodes one through six. Totally. Like I was totally like in love with the show. Um, I think episodes seven and eight were a little bit like, it's like a tier below, like the standard that the show had set. And that was unfortunate because i really really loved the show um and it doesn't like episode seven and eight not being as great doesn't like change my view on the show i think it's still like i think it's still up there with andor i know like that's a big debate and i don't want to get into that because that just causes a whole thing um but i think yeah it's just right it's right up there with andor um i think it's better than all three seasons of the mandalorian um better than boba fett um i really liked it a lot and um yeah did you mention wish, Obi-Wan
0: or did you forget that one <laughs>
2: I mean like it's hard to even talk about Obi-Wan right like <laughs> I, the only thing I love about Obi-Wan is the battle between Vader and Obi-Wan at the end that's really all I liked and a oh, little bit
1: still gives me chills even yeah now, was just, thinking that's about awesome.
2: it yeah um but yeah I kind of wish like I, I do wish episode seven and eight were like a little bit better I feel like they both, they just had, they had such potential to make Peridia like such a cool place. And it was just like, just like a wasteland. And I was like, man, they really, and like, even like the cinematography of it, like they had such a chance to make it look Mm. so cool. And some of it just looked gray and like cloudy. And it just looked visually, it just was unappealing. I don't want to focus too much on the negative um, you know one through six I thought episode four was awesome like episode four was like probably my. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to not say episode five because you know you love, I love Hayden Christensen I love Anakin I love the, the, the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin but I think episode four was the most well done I think visually um, I think it had the best lightsaber fights um, I think it accomplished the most in the story um, and I think it was just the most that and like episode five and six, like I said earlier, were the most well-rounded episodes. um, And that really kind of completed the show. Um, And so I'm not really mad about episode seven or eight. I love Ezra. Like, I think he's great in the show. Um, But yeah, overall, I mean, I could, I probably, I don't, I don't know if I want to give it like a grade or something. I think I said on Twitter, I was like, it's maybe like an 8.5 or a 9 out of 10 for me,
0: somewhere around that. Okay what about you emily what was what was it for you how was it for you
1: i absolutely loved it i think because ahsoka like i'm so biased because ahsoka is like one of my favorite characters and i love hating Christensen so much and i I met him like over the summer at fan expo so i'm like i'm biased this was like my favorite show and anything that he shows up in like just keep giving us anakin because he's just such a treat to watch like now and that he's like He's like, they love that I'm back, and I think like you can see that in like his performance <laughs> and stuff. So, and just watching Ahsoka continue to grow, like this show is just phenomenal for me, and for the potential of a second season, and then knowing she'll definitely be in Dave Filoni's like Endgame type movie for Star Wars is just it's going to be like a huge treat. I
0: definitely want to say that I. Loved the story as well. Um, I thought this is what this is my favorite series off of Star Wars on Disney Plus because controversial as it may be, I don't think Andar is that good, and so this one definitely just ranked really high for me because I think that it was an excellent story. Um, I really didn't have any complaints. I felt like every episode, like again, Rebels being one of my favorites, this being almost a continuation of Rebels, it felt um, like being back with friends almost Mm -hmm. but drew sorry you were to say something honestly i forgot what i was gonna say (laughs) okay so speaking of you know you mentioned drew episode seven and eight being like a a tier down do you think i guess I'll, i'll just say what i'm thinking first i thought one thing that did kind of negatively impact episode seven specifically for me was the connections to the wider star Wars universe specifically with C3PO and the mention of like uh Leia. And while I think that the original is amazing, I liked that Ahsoka felt removed from it all, even though it was connected to these characters that we knew, like it felt like something like it didn't have to be in service of the larger story, even though, cause it's its own story. I felt like, you know, it was like a branched lot timeline almost of, of the world um and so when c3po showed up i'm gonna be honest with you i kind of rolled my eyes i was like oh there had to be something that tied it back to it um do you think that that maybe had some impact on why that episode felt like it was a step down or do you, or like what was it for you
2: so i'll be honest yeah um i'm a big choreography guy i like sure like fight i like fight scenes i like choreography i like mm-hmm. i'm a big like cinematography choreography I just like the overall aspect of filmmaking and I felt like episode seven, um, I just felt like the, the the pacing felt uneven. I think that ultimately like the fight with the stormtroopers and Shin and the fight with Ahsoka and Balin kind of felt like oddly paced. Uh, the choreography was not great. Um, I think I tweeted something like, <laughs> I tend to like, uh, tend to tweet, Something that I'm like, maybe I should think about this a little more. I tend to do that sometimes. And I was like, man, Disney really needs a new choreography team. And like that was just my feeling after watching episode seven. Was like, man, it uh, you know, I remember there was like some rumors that like Ezra was gonna be like this like force guru, like like martial arts master. And so I think I had my expectations up a little bit, and then like I just kind of was let down by the choreography. Um, I thought that like just fighting in an open field like that was a little bit weak i thought like the the setting of like that whole kind of con- conclusion of the episode kind of felt a little bit weak um mm-hmm. ahsoka and Balin like she just jumped out of like a plane and landed and there was Balin, and then they fought for like 30 seconds and then she ran away and it just felt weird like it just didn't feel right for me like it just didn't feel earned in a way kind of i'm sure not, not really sure sure um C-3PO yeah I mean like you know they were going to do something like that eventually
0: sure
2: there just wasn't a way and like that's fine like it was it it really felt like its own thing even down to the music sometimes it was very original like I kind of felt like it was Star Wars but like a new version of Star Wars in a way kind of it it felt very like an homage to like old Star Wars but in a newer way Mm -hmm. I think part part of that is the music um, you know Kevin Kiner uh, was the composer and I think it was all like kind of original music, but had um, some like the older scores were weaved in there and stuff. So um, when I, when you mentioned like ties back to the universe, that didn't really bother me in this series. I think this series felt the most kind of uh, original kind of, um, even with like stuff of the New Republic, I didn't feel like a great connection to the known universe in a way
0: you know i love that you mentioned the music because there was actually a part in episode eight where um when ahsoka and sabine jumped onto the ship and then like the buildings collapsing at the end where it was so close to being the iconic star wars theme but then it wasn't and i was just like it gave me uh goosebumps for no reason Mm -hmm. other than i was like it was so close and then at the same time you're you're reminded that like it's something different um my my
2: opinion is that composers shouldn't be afraid to use the original star wars music i think that's so i think that's what was so great about rebel season one is a lot of the music is like the same as it was in like the uh, new hope and like empire strikes Mm -hmm. back they use a lot of those like themes and that kind of it kind of makes you feel like you're in star wars i think a lot of the music Mm -hmm. Music kind of puts you into that element of Star Wars in a way, and I think more Star Wars composers um, shouldn't be afraid to use the Star Wars themes.
0: You know, so something that you brought up, Drew, and I, I want to ask you about this, Emily, is one of the complaints I did see on like Twitter or people talking about it was that the choreography felt very staged, like with the lightsaber fights. Um, how did you feel about that? Did did you did you feel that it was um, I don't know, very Disney-fied? Or do you feel like it felt more natural? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, this is going to be like my most passionate uh, kind of topic. But I'll, I'll let Emily go mm-hmm. first. I'll let That's why first.
0: I wanted her to begin first, because I know yeah. that you can go yeah. on for a while.
2: Yeah, <laughs> her um,
1: her. I think the fight, like you brought up, Drew, the fight between her and Balin was very odd. Like the what, mm-hmm. one, when she jumped out of like her ship. And it was like, it was just... To really be like oh you're not dead after I pushed you off the cliff and she was like nope and it was just it was so odd I think the best fight was between her and Morgan I think at times it felt like she didn't have enough room it looked like she felt like she didn't have enough room because she was very like in on herself like with her arms closer to her body And, Mm -hmm. like, that's not, like, how animated Ahsoka fights. Like, animated Ahsoka, like, used, like, her entire, like, wingspan, like, of her arms, if you will. And so it looked like it was, like, I don't know if it was Rosaria Dawson. I don't know if it was the way that they choreographed it. I don't know if the set wasn't big enough. But she looked like she was, like, really afraid to, like, start swinging, if you will. Yes. When, like, Sabine was just, like, I'm going to use this like a baseball bat. And I don't care. And Ezra looked like he normally would have. So, I just they needed to give her more room, I think, to choreograph it because everything was choreographed so close together and so tight.
2: Yeah, everything felt very stiff. Um, were you gonna say something, Brian?
0: I was just gonna say that one of the things I had noticed, especially in this last episode with Ahsoka fighting, was that I think it was the direction that they must have given her, but they always had her like try to try your best to keep your eye on the enemy. And I feel like with Ahsoka, that wasn't necessary. Like, sometimes she would do these like spins and stuff, and that she would like, like, she like almost had the force, like reaching out to be part of it. And this one, it was like, Rosario Dawson was always like, okay, turn as fast as you can, but like whip your head around so you can be back. And I, that felt a little like unnatural for the character that I feel like we've come to know.
1: Yeah. Um, they I think doing... it had to do like technical stuff. Like, I think it was all yes. like, they were terrified of that headpiece just flying right <laughs> off of her, yeah. like in the in the moment, because like, In animation, like Ahsoka would do flips, she'd like extend herself and like everything. But I don't think like Rosaria Dawson could do that because she even said she was like, they like made it like specifically and like I could barely hear anything because it was like she heard like just this like clacking of like plastic like in her ears every time like the Montreal's and like Leku moved. So I think like that was like a whole like thing. They were like, let's practically keep this on you.
0: Sure.
2: Yep. Um, yeah <laughs> i'm a prequel i love the prequels for the choreography um you know i think they really put rosario dawson at a disadvantage here um they had her in like the poncho which very clearly was limiting her range uh, yeah. of her lightsaber um if you yeah. i think episode eight the duel with her and morgan elspeth works so well because she's not wearing the poncho and she has a much wider range of motion on top of that i think like we said she's worried about like the the leku, the Leku falling off, or the montreal's falling off um so yeah they kind of put her at a really big disadvantage in choreography and on top of that they had her doing some really unnecessary spins like a lot yeah it looked really slow and they kind of slowed down the pace of the fight because they like she had to do the spin so the other enemy couldn't hit her and it kind of just slowed down the pace of the fight um I would say that they shouldn't have had her doing like all those spins if she wasn't able to like, if they did, if they, she wasn't able to complete them at like a faster pace in a way. I think that's why Sabine Shin's fighting, I said that a couple of times in the group chat. I said, I think that Sabine and Shin's choreography was actually better than like a lot of Ahsoka's fights because it was just straight up like, it was just like straight up lightsaber fighting. And I think that was the most like, I think that just worked the best because it was just, it's just, they were able to have good choreography. They didn't have them doing crazy spins and stuff like that. It was just, it was just good sword fighting, you know? And, um, so they have her with, you know, obviously she's got two lightsabers, which kind of slows down the pace a little bit because we're used to like, you know, prequel fighting where it's just one blade where we where just have one blade and you're doing like the crazy, you know, like Anakin, Obi-Wan, like twirls and, and stuff like that. And. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys watch in Clone Wars. I was actually watching the Darth Maul and or Darth Maul Ahsoka fight um, in the uh, Siege of Mandalore like episode, mm-hmm. um, and I was noticing like she's not able to kind of like fight as fast in a way. Like if you watch Darth Maul, he's kind of like swinging that thing around like the prequels, and
0: mm-hmm. but
2: with two lightsabers, you're not really able to go at that same kind of pace in a way that like in the prequels you're just using one blade. I guess it's just a choreography thing. Um, and that really kind of like they definitely struggled on that in live action. I noticed that when she had one lightsaber, her choreography was a lot better. Like the fight scene in episode four with Ahsoka and in Merrick or Maroc, um, they actually had some decent like choreography. Um, same with like Ahsoka versus Balin. Their choreography was okay. Um, in episode four, because it was just one lightsaber. Right. Um but yeah, it's overall, I, I think the choreography did struggle a little bit at times. I, I just like to see lightsaber fights. They were better than the se- mm-hmm. the, pre- the sequel series. They were better than, like, the, the choreography was better than the sequel series, but that really isn't saying much. But um, I guess I just have high standards for lightsaber
0: fights. Two thoughts here. First off, I don't think any fight is better than the, the Last Jedi fight with her and Kylo Ren in... Uh, after they kill Snoke. I think that's one of the best fights we have.
1: I love the throne room fight.
0: Yeah, it's I a could, great fight. I, I, I can just watched yeah. that scene over and over. <laughs> uh, but second is, I actually did not like the fights where she only had one saber because it felt very unnatural for the character. And mm-hmm. like, it also looked like she didn't know how to hold just one. It looked like she was <laughs> almost afraid to hold just one. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so again, I, I... It could just be that I was used to that. But I also find it interesting too, because correct me if I'm wrong, but in either it's either Clone Wars or Rebels. Doesn't is it isn't one of her sabers slightly shorter than the other? Yep. Even in, in, in the live action show
2: yeah. too. Yeah.
0: Are they? Because it looked it looked the same to I me. Mean, I was waiting for one to yeah, be like shorter. She has
2: the Shoto blade, which is like in her left hand and it's meant to be like a blocking blade. It's like got a you. um like a Ronin kind of thing. Um, but that, oh. that actually got destroyed in the last episode. Hmm. So she now only has one lightsaber
0: time for her to get a staff or something then
2: well um yeah i, I mean maybe she'll just have two colors because like yeah to get maybe. the white kyber crystal dungeons you have to like kind of heal it in a way like something yeah like it's that.
1: like mending like the red kyber crystals and that's like how she got them in the first place is because mm-hmm. in the book um she in her book um she killed an inquisitor like literally with her bare hands and then Mm. she took his kyber crystals because she heard them calling to her and then she cleansed them and then they became the white crystals oh wow even the but even her green ones the shoto one was a little off like it was a different kind of shade of green than her um actual one because anakin gave her the shoto saber because he Mm. noticed like um when she was fighting and practicing that she wasn't defending a side of herself because she fights with like that reverse grip and so he gifted it to her because he made it for her. Makes sense. Okay.
0: Um, so before we run out of time, because obviously I want to be- talk about the future, because I'm excited about where this show took us. Where do we think Star Wars is headed from here? And this could be General. This could be Ahsoka. This could be, I know where the next series we're getting, and I think it's coming in 2023 still, is Skeleton Crew. Unless mm-hmm. it just got de- uh, delayed. Um, no, it's coming in January. Think, it's coming uh, in June.
2: You know how we just did the report on um we just did the report on uh Agatha uh, Oh yeah, yeah yeah. The same I think it was the same site had skeleton crew at January twenty twenty floor.
1: Then what yeah. would be after skeleton crew? I know this is looking like way far ahead. But is Probably. it Andor?
2: Andor or the acolyte, which I heard the accolade. Um has um some good choreography it's got shang chi or shang chi's mm-hmm. uh choreography team
1: that's i'm excited for that because yeah, that's so gonna I've be heard... like the end of high Repu- the high Republic and stuff and yeah, that's gonna uh, be right. that's gonna be a good time period for star wars so they've my, been taking my... their time with that one too mm-hmm. so
2: yeah my my uh my expectations are through the roof on that one definitely yeah, and same, they shot same. on a lot of like live locations
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so
2: it's not gonna be a lot of green screen which i'm really excited sure. about i think it's i'm i'm uh i'm definitely that's my most anticipated series definitely
0: I think what's exciting about that one, too, is that um, Carrie Ann Moss's character fights with the force without lightsabers. I think yeah. that's something really cool. It's more of the, you know, um, traditional, like, uh, arts. yeah, and I think that's going to be a really cool take to kind of see. And plus, technically, it cuts down on CGI. So, like, true. Mm-hmm. that's also very nice but okay where do we want star wars to go with either ahsoka with the series where do we think we're headed towards with Air of the empire because that's clearly where we're going here um what do you think is next uh dealer's choice let's go emily because this is your baby again tell us where you were going
1: um i think like i said earlier when we're talking about villains and stuff i think we could potentially see we have the potential to see mortis again um, since we're dealing with like the, we seem to be dealing with the Mortis gods, and we're headed in that direction. And it seems very exploratory there. Obviously, like we're going, it's inevitable. We're going to see like all of, like we're they're gonna have to recast like Luke and Leia, and I hope they stick with Alden as Han because, um, they're we're gonna need them again at like a hundred and ten percent because if this movie is what everyone thinks it's going to be and like an end game type thing like it's we're going to see characters interacting and it's going to make like it's going to connect like for real like the original trilogy and like all these like side stories that we've seen and it's it's going to be like an all out like prevent like let's prevent all out war like type thing again so yeah i don't know what we're going to see
2: so i had just talked to red um rodova he's one of one of our writers i had just talked to him and i was like you know it's hard to be excited for air to the empire because they lose like i don't know if they're gonna lose in the movie but like ultimately mm-hmm. they lose right because the first order takes over and like stuff like, well like, i don't
1: know if that would be like how the heir to the empire ends because at this point like if ben's been born um he's like five or like seven mm-hmm. Or, something, or like around J- not Jason's age But he's like He's at least younger than Jason Or something like that So I think I don't know if they'll Lose particularly because It's like when he's older And when he's like a teenager I think is when He's with Luke and that's when he's like Right yeah,
2: so I'll, I'll probably rephrase I'm, I'll say that Ron obviously loses mm-hmm. But I think the like so they kind of weave the like you know like oh. weave towards the sequel trilogy gotcha. you know they like-
1: de- yeah they'll definitely do that because i they've that's what they've been doing since like the mandalorian is they're yeah. trying to make like exegol right. and like palpatine coming back like make sense like I mean, i've even seen it in like some of the darth vader comics that i've read like palpatine kept luke's hand that he that he cut off and Empire Strikes Back and he kept it on Exegol and that's where all the like cloning stuff was and like we're mm-hmm. even seeing it with like the Bad Batch and everything like what all these cloning like scientists like are doing and stuff like that so they're trying to make it make sense so I think that is definitely where it's headed
2: yeah um where I'd like to see the future head is for them to like slow down a little bit like don't go straight to the movie yeah let them do a couple seasons of Ahsoka, let them do, let them develop Rebels into a show, do another season or two of Mandalorian, um, you know, flesh out some other shows, because it's like, once you get to that story, you're kind of burning your, like,
0: they've it's, built like up, it's like end
2: game, you know, like, yeah. you're, you're kind of turning a page that you can't turn back, you know, I so feel it's like,
1: they've definitely built up all these problems so fast with all these new people, and everyone's like, we're so confused as to where this is going, but like, we know uh-huh. where it's going, but it's, feels like they've built it up too fast
2: yeah i think they need to like slow down a little bit unless they have plans to do like multiple like avengers style movies. movies yeah but like if you're gonna do like a big like uh and i think at celebration they kind of called it the culmination of the mandoverse yes
1: and that kind of course. concerned me
2: because i'm like that means that you're kind of closing the page on everything and like that is a very large decision to make
1: and exactly. that kind of concerns and- me so like yeah. it just like it just started like yeah in 2020. did it not
2: 2019 2019? yeah so it's like they need to chill a little bit like at least another five years at the, yeah. at the least you know like they don't gotta do that movie so quickly but i think they're just eager to do a movie like honestly it wouldn't surprise me if yeah. the yeah. empire movie doesn't end up happening like
0: oh uh, okay with, i mean with Luke, that's with part, part of the course of star wars now right
2: uh, yeah, yeah so everything's done
1: canceled
2: it really wouldn't surprise me if they make it into like its show like Mm. I, they just have such a hard time with movies i don't know what's going on
1: uh, they it's just cannot the, get these Biggest movies. mystery to me yeah. and i really 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 want to be nosy and know the answer
2: yeah they just they just can't get the movies made and i'm not sure what it is so it wouldn't surprise me if like air to the empire ends up being like a like an event series like an eight episode event series mm. um i would like for it to be a movie because you have a higher budget but like
0: But also
1: like with a TV show though, you have like they it's like the scary, not the scary thing, but it's like the annoying thing is they have time to like waste a little bit, if you will, because they're gonna be like, we need some like filler stuff in here. But like with an air with something like this big with air to the empire, you can't do a filler like you can't do like a half of a filler episode and then like Mm -hmm. make the rest of the episode serious. Like it's gotta be like a let's go, go, go type of thing.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess my hope is just to flesh out a little bit, like, um, I would like to see something happen with Rebels where it's its own kind of thing for a little while. Um, uh, I'd like to see Ahsoka continue for a little while. I'd like to see another season or two of Mandalorian. Um, they're doing skeleton crew, which is obviously going to be a thing like in the current timeline. Um, there are some rumors that it could be connected to Ahsoka online. Um, so I think that there's still a lot that they're building um, and it takes time to build stuff. I think that was the problem with Marvel right now is, um, Marvel is probably doing a little bit too much and too quickly. I think you need to find a balance. You don't want to do things too quickly. You don't want to do things too slow. Um, so yeah, my hope for the future is continue to build out what we're currently doing, um, to set up a movie properly.
1: I think a combination of all that though was like, everyone was so afraid to play catch up from COVID. And they were like let's put all this out and like there was no need for Marvel to do like 18 projects in one year because it was far too much and it a lot of them didn't feel very connected while others did. And then I think like the other part of it was like Bob Chapik took over and I think he expected so much from everybody and there were like mergers happening and stuff like that and it all got very confusing and very scary and it all went way too fast. <laughs>
0: I think a good thing to think keep in mind too is that the a big difference here too is when Bob Cheppik took over, um Marvel was still full steam ahead, but Star Wars had kind of taken a back burner since the the you know the sequel yeah. trilogy, besides the Mando. And there was just starting to be this new rollout. And so I think it's a lot easier to make something quality when you're just starting out again and you're like slowly rolling it out than when like the train is already on the tracks and going and now you're trying to stop it and enter back on and COVID was a huge hit for that but like I do like what they're doing with the Star Wars shows on um Disney Plus it feels like that's really the home for Star Wars right now I'd love to see a film again I really cannot wait I'm so looking forward to the Ray one but I was a big uh fan of the sequel trilogy but um there's definitely um hopefully going to be a strong future and um, I hope that Air to the empire gets made eventually. Yeah, but you're right; I, I think, think
2: it's time. Have said that uh, the Ray movie is going to film next year, so like that seems like it's going to happen.
1: Gosh, I hope that, so. I feel like
2: it's going to happen. I mean, Dave Filoni is probably working on a Soga season two. Like,
1: I think you know, the Ray movie definitely will happen because they brought Daisy Ridley back out on stage, and they have yeah, like they're, not, a, they're yeah. like that's that's so like so lame if you back down from it now when you're like hey we have her she's coming back can you believe it
2: yeah i think they kind of feel like they owe her justice I know, yep. i know you like yeah. people series brian but i think they kind of feel like they owe her like uh mm-hmm. they kind of owe her a do over you know um so i think that's definitely going to happen i think the man i i don't know if the the uh what the heck is his name the dawn of the the jedi what's the guy's name he did the indiana jones oh. movie james Man- mangold, mangold?
1: Yeah. i don't
2: know if that movie's gonna happen that's another one where it's like rogue squadron or you know mm-hmm. Taika batidi or kevin feige Mark Waldron movie you know like you just don't know you know
0: so i have sad. good feeling about two of them from what from the stuff that i know behind the scenes two of them are definitely headings forward um but it remains to be seen which two those are
2: yeah so. we'll see yeah <laughs> who knows at this point but yeah i believe you you're, you're you're uh i definitely believe you brian
0: um so th- with that being said we are running out of time uh and we'd love to continue the conversation with you listeners so check us out at the or you can find us on twitter and other social medias at my cosmic circus and our cosmic circuit podcast twitter at cosmic podcasts thank you again for tuning in to the cosmic circle my name is brian kitson and you can find me on twitter at kitson 301 Emily, Drew, it's always so nice to have you on. Um, Before we go, though, remind people where they can find you.
2: So You can find me on Twitter at DrewReed1099. I'm usually only on Twitter.
1: You can find me on Twitter at EmilyMCD11. That's the only thing I ever use these (laughs)
0: days. And then, as always, you can find them on thecosmiccircus.com. I know we have a review of Ahsoka coming up um, from Emily probably tomorrow so well it will will come out before the podcast so i hope you guys read it because it's a really brilliant um and thank you again everybody um and we cannot wait for our next trip through the cosmos